Welcome back to the QW Podcast. This is episode 13, and very excited for the guest today, Brandon Buck. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Brandon Buck. I'm the CEO of Infinite Strengths. Uh, we are a leadership company here located in Boise that really just focuses on helping people become better people. Um, better people make better husbands, they make better wives, they make better leaders, just better people make better everything. So that's kind of our, our deal. Yeah, especially with leadership. Once you help a couple of people, it makes a big difference in the whole community. Absolutely. When did you start that? So Infinite Strengths, we started a little over four years ago. Okay. Uh, but I've been teaching and coaching for probably, what, the last 22, 23 years. Nice. Um, so I've been kind of involved with people for a while. Why did you start Infinite Strengths? Um, you know, I, I so I grew up, I was playing sports, um, and then... Um, got into teaching and I used to teach U.S. history and I remember teaching U.S. history and we would talk about this industrial revolution and you would talk about Carnegie and Rockefeller and these amazing entrepreneurs and and I used to always tell my class and myself like if I wanted to build a business I could do it. Uh, I wanted to be a teacher so it was my choice right so you have this American dream that you can go and get this rags to riches story but it's you have to choose to want to go down that path and so I used to teach it all the time and then you begin to wonder right like could I really build a business? Uh, and my wife and I were just pretty passionate people about not living life with regret. Uh, and so we thought we'd give it a shot, man. And, and uh, so we started it. We launched out on our own. And it has been awesome ever since. That's awesome. Was it okay starting off or did it kind of take a minute to take longer to get going? Um, no. It, you know what? It, it actually took off pretty fast. Um, I, I'm really good at knowing what I need to do to be productive. And when I know what works, I'll do it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to be distracted by stuff. Like I'm going to do the things I know that give the biggest return uh, for my time and my investment. And so I did that and I just did it consistently. And when, when you can do things consistently, do the right things consistently, good things usually happen. Yeah. What are some problems with, uh, like maybe some common problems you find in leaders, some shortcomings that people have? Uh, the, some of the biggest ones, one, people will constantly give you the excuse that they're busy Yeah, uh, all the time. You're just busy, you're busy, you're busy. Well, that, that's a choice, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there's a big difference between being productive and being busy, but too often people get distracted and they get confused and they're doing things and they think it's a great use of their time, but it's not. Yeah. And within that, right, like people tend to be, a lot of people tend to be good at saying no to bad things. Uh, they're just not good at saying no to good things. Um, and, and when you say yes to every good idea, you're going to run yourself ragged. And when you look at the truly elite leaders or the best people out there, the most successful, they are good at saying no to good things so they can say yes to the right thing. Um, you know, so that way they, they, they say yes to the great ideas, not just the good ideas. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I find with leaders is <clears throat> really just this disconnect between intentions and actions. Uh, every person I've ever met wants to be a great person. They want to be, uh, they want to help people. They, they really have the best intentions, but they don't realize how their actions aren't backing that up. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. That's really true what you said about people. They think they're like way busier than they actually are. Absolutely. So um, all three of the guys that live in this house, we're all in the same fraternity. And when we, we just started it last semester, which has kind of been a whole thing. But when the recruiter was trying to get people to, to join in, 
he kept asking people like what holds you back and a lot of times people even I said I'm just busy like I'm school work baseball whatnot and he's he said okay how much time do you spend on school per week how much time do you spend on baseball per week and then he took it out of the hours in the week yep. and he's like okay where'd your last 12 hours go right i was like oh okay yeah i had a lot more time than i thought a lot more right <laughs> you think about it, i mean we all have 24 hours in a day and, and somehow elon musk has found a way to run five multi-billion dollar companies in the same 24 hours you and i have so if he can figure out how to do that then i can figure out how to run my business see my family get my exercise in take care of my finances you know take care of my spiritual bucket those type of things i can i can find the time to do that if he can find time to run five multi-billion dollar companies yeah so. i think people even i kind of have starting the podcast you kind of find ways to justify wasting your time like yep. i spend way more time on social media now than i did before i started the podcast yeah and while i'm scrolling through i'll be like telling myself oh this is like marketing and like getting my name out there but it's like it's still a waste of time waste of time i would seen a stat the other week and i so did not research this stat i don't know if it's real or not or anything but uh they had estimated that people on average will spend seven years of their life just scrolling social media oh wow i believe it and you think about that just seven years of, of awake time, right? Where you could be doing something else of just scrolling. Uh, you could get a lot of done in seven years. That makes sense. If you live to be 70, that's one-tenth of your life. I guarantee people spend two and a half hours on there. Oh, yeah. One-tenth of the day. That'd be easy. Absolutely. Yeah. Was your family pretty supportive of you trying to start the company? Absolutely. Uh, I, I am very fortunate to have uh, I've had a great upbringing and siblings that – are very creative and, and all over the country doing amazing things. I have an awesome sister that runs her own company. She's a beautician and, uh, in Indiana. I've got a younger brother who's a plastic surgeon and started his own company. Uh, and then I've got my older brother is a musician and runs his own stuff in California. So we, we all have that entrepreneurial spirit. That's cool. Do you think that came from your parents? Uh, my dad uh, was a farmer and then started his own construction company. Uh, maybe half what, what I was, he was on a farm for mo my young childhood and then he got into a construction business. So you just saw that and saw the opportunity and, and then we all just kind of grew into it. Yeah, I did. I kind of had the same thing. My dad is also, he owns his own painting company. And then my older brother is, he's developing his own video games now. So he's got that going. And then I've awesome. got the podcast. So it is kind of cool when you see someone that doesn't have to work for someone else. Yeah. It's more inspiring, I think. Well, it's just, I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. Right. Something to wake up for every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, maybe how, how did you market to the first couple of clients you got? Uh, the way I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm really good at doing this. Yeah. Right. Like I'm really good at talking with people one-on-one -on -one, of grabbing a coffee, grabbing a beer, or going to grab lunch or something with individuals. Like I'm really good at that. And I'm very good at being able to speak on a stage. And so those things I knew I did really well. Uh, when it comes to social media, that type of stuff, like that's not my skill set. And if I, if I had just focused on social media to try to build my company, I would have failed. Uh, I had everyone telling me that's what I needed to do, but that's not my skill set, right? So I could have done a whole lot of work, but not been productive. Whereas, like I said, with me, I'm really good at this. So, I can relate to that. Right. So yeah. I, I knew who I wanted to talk to, right? I made a list. Like, these are the people that I want to know, not necessarily work with, but I wanted to know them. 
and I wanted them to know me. Because when you start meeting fascinating people and you start knowing movers and shakers in a community, they're all communicating. And when you get in the right influence, right, or you get in the right rooms with the right people, things start to happen, right? Um, Because life, opportunities, everything, it all surrounds people, right? If, If you don't have people, there aren't opportunities, right? If you don't have people, there aren't jobs. If you don't have people, they're not buying your stuff or they're not listening to the podcast. So it's all how well can you relate to individuals. So I was really good at doing this and did it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of found that already. It's like it's really easy to listen to, and then I like don't develop the next question because I'm just locked in. <laughs> Speaking of having the right people, though, do you have employees? Uh, just my wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just she and I, and it's awesome. She is uh, she's some kind of awesome uh, person, and we work well together, and we have a blast doing it. And I know some people have a challenge working with their spouse. Mm-hmm. Ours, man, I wouldn't want it any other way. That's uh, awesome. It's super cool. You found a good one. Absolutely. Do you think you'll ever want employees, or are you just going to keep it? Uh, the the plan right much? now is to keep it as is. Uh, we, we have plans in the work that if people want to do what I do, I, I'd be more than happy to teach them and let them franchise out underneath, in essence, but let them go run their own business, right? Like, I yeah. can train them and help them and go and do that, but we really enjoy the flexibility and the simplicity of just she and I. Um, and so that, that's where we're running it. Uh, now we'll, we'll bring in some outside consultants and do some stuff for marketing or some things like that, but not true direct employees. Okay. So I saw on your website that you do, you offer like one-on-one and then group and class and everything. Yep. So when you do more of a group thing, is it like a lecture like you would if you're a teacher? No, it, it's a good group discussion. Okay, more right. of a workshop. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely I'm teaching that's in there, but like I said, I mean, I taught for, for 15 years prior to doing this. So being in a setting, like that's what I do, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that's my craft is being able to teach. So there's definitely teaching, but there's more questioning than anything, just getting people to think. Yeah. Because uh, everyone that I work with, even including you or whomever, everyone knows what they should be doing. You just have to remind them that they know. And then hold them accountable to do it. Yeah. Right. Not, none of us love to be told what to do, uh, mm-hmm. but every one of us knows what we need to be doing to be healthy. We all know what we should be doing with our finances. We all know what we should be doing to build a relationship. I have to remind them that they know, and then hold them accountable to do those things. And when you do, when you do what you know you should be doing, life gets really simple. Yeah, it all falls in line. Yeah. Where did you learn that? Uh, trial and error, coaching. Yeah. Right. Um, I was involved in athletics forever and uh, was fortunate enough to play baseball at a pretty high level in college. And you get in there and, and you start learning what works and what doesn't. And what you really begin to fall in love with is the process of things. Uh, in baseball, right, you have your best hitters are, are going to fail over 70% of the time. Yeah. You know, they used to always say 300, well, whatever. There's, there's not a lot of people hitting 300 anymore. So really, if you, you know, you're going to fail 72, 73% of the time in baseball. Um, well, how can I find success in a realm like that when I'm failing so often? Mm-hmm. And so the success falls into the process, right? It falls into the work, right? That's really the deal, or that's what we would reference would be the standard, right? The standard is your effort. The standard is your work. And are you consistently doing the work regardless of the outcome, right? Like, do you have the discipline to stick to that process when your career is dependent upon results? 
and regardless of what we're doing, if it's baseball, if it's infinite strengths, if it's running a family, if it's running a podcast, whatever it is, right? Like we're all dependent upon results. Uh, but do you have the discipline to stick to the process, even though that's going on? And so you learn that through baseball, like it's my swings, it's my approach, it's this. And so you stick to it. So regardless if I got a hit or not, I'm going to be back in there getting so many swings the next day, or I'm going to be there early, or I'm going to be focused on that. So then you relate that into coaching and you start realizing that that's the focus and everyone knows that they should be getting more swings. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that they should be getting more ground balls. Everyone knows that they should be working out. I'm just there to hold them accountable to do it. Um, that's a hard transition to make though, between baseball and like the business world. Cause in, like you have to be making money right to like to justify putting time into it right like in baseball you could be hitting a buck 50 over the last month but at least you have like a medium kind of to keep taking swings and everything so how have you kind of found like have, i don't know maybe this isn't even part of what you do but where do you when do you tell people maybe that they should change routes a little bit um, maybe not give up on what they want to do but right well i mean like I'm, like i said like Everybody's career is dependent upon results, mm -hmm. whether it's baseball or whether it's running a business, right? right? Like, you're right. You, you have to sell. Well, I've eventually got to get base hits or I'm not going to play, right? Yeah. A coach is going to have to win or he's not going to be coaching very long. So that that's the results. But you have the discipline to stick to the process. So in business, you're right. You have to sell. Absolutely. But if that's your only focus on success is the numbers, well, how long does that euphoria last when you hit the number? Not long. Not long. Right. And then if you don't hit the number, now you're a failure or whatever it is. Right. So uh, or sometimes you'll see people in sales, maybe they have a goal and they hit that goal Q3. Well, then Q4, they take it off. Yeah, that's well, what I was about to add was that kind of works the other way, too, where if you're addicted to the process and then you hit your goal, then you're going to keep going. You keep of, going. Yeah. The process. Right. The standard is the standard. That's great. Hey, you hit your goal. Uh, Q3. That's great. Are you going to be back in the gym tomorrow? Are you going to be making your sales calls tomorrow, right? Like, what, what are you doing uh, to get it, right? And so when you can find that process and hold them accountable to it, the sales and everything else take care of itself. The wins take care of themselves. Now, if we're not getting the sales, if we're not getting the win, okay, then there's something wrong with the process, right? We're, we're either not talking to the right people. We're not talking to enough people. We're not delivering the message the right way. So we're always looking back at that stuff like, hey, are, are, are we doing the right things, right? Are you doing them the right way? And then how can you get them better? And so when you're always asking yourself those three questions about the process, numbers, hits, wins, performance, that all just becomes a byproduct of it. That makes sense. Yeah, it's tough though. It's so tough, I'm, but I'm it's just trying to think. But but that but like the way it it sounds tough. I mean, it's it's not easy, right? But it's simple. Yeah, that's what the discipline aspect yeah. is, right? Because you got to do it even when you don't want to. Yeah, and, and that that's the thing, right? Most people think like numbers and winning and performance. It's some trick thing. No, it's not. The people that are truly successful, they know what works, and they do it. Yeah, all the time. Right. They yeah. don't they don't just do it once. They do it every day. Not all day, but they'll do it every day. Every single day they're going to do the most productive thing that they can do. And when you do the most productive thing you can do day in and day out, everything else takes care of itself. But most people have no idea what productivity looks like today. Yeah. Right? Like 
uh, I could ask, like for for you, Owen, like what's the one thing you could do today to make today awesome? Are you asking me yeah. right, right now? Right oh now. man, well this podcast is a pretty good start. It's a pretty good one, right? Yeah. And if we do this one thing, today's awesome. Yeah. Regardless, right? Bring on everything else. Today's already awesome. Once this podcast is done, boom, today's awesome. Now we can do some other things. Then, then tomorrow, well, well, what are we doing for this podcast tomorrow? Or what are you doing for the next podcast the next day, right? What, whatever that is. But too few people know exactly what productivity looks like today. They just wake up and then they get run by their email. They get run by this. They get run by their schedule. And, and instead of scheduling their priorities, they try to prioritize their schedule and they're just doing crap. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think people like someone like me, maybe that kind of falls into the trap of almost combining, like trying to be productive with wasting time. How would you suggest someone could break something like that? Uh, you sitting down and figuring out it's one, it's trial by error, right? Like you're going to have to sit down and think as far as, well, what do I think is productive today? All right, well, let's do it. And let's start being consistent with it. And then let's check the numbers. Let's see what happens. Ah, I didn't get what I wanted. Okay, I've got to go back and tweak something in here, right? Okay. So, so it's not for me just to tell you, like, do this one thing. Right. It's you doing the work to figure out what works. Yeah, leaders that have to tell you, like, exactly what to do, it doesn't seem to last long. Like, no. eventually people will get... They'll get tired of you. They get tired of it, yeah. right? No one wants to be micromanaged. Right. right. I can say, like, hey, here's the goal. Go get it. I'll yeah. be a resource there for you. I'll help bounce ideas. You can bounce ideas, but you, you've got to figure out how to get it done. How much of this thought process came from playing or coaching baseball? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot. And then, you know, I, I, I read a ton. Um, I try to surround myself with fascinating people. So I'm always looking for mentors. And uh, when you surround yourself with really fascinating people and you're constantly feeding your brain uh, new knowledge or you're gaining new awareness or you're experiencing new things, like all wisdom continues to grow, right? And as long as you're doing that, you just start learning different stuff. So baseball had a huge impact on it, uh, as well as the people that I've surrounded myself with. Yeah. Did you have to cut people out at some point or did you Absolutely. Pretty, you were pretty much able to start from scratch? No, no. There, there's definitely been people that yeah. you cut out, right? And it's not to say that they're awful people. It's just you grow, right? Like mm -hmm. I grow and, and, and maybe they didn't. Um, and it's just time for, there'll always be a place in their, my heart for them, but it's time for me to grow because they, they'll hold you back. Yeah. You grew up here though, didn't you? I did not. No, oh. I actually, I grew up in Southern Indiana. Oh, okay. Yeah. So grew up in Southern Indiana, uh, went to Purdue university, then lived in Arizona for 15 years. Oh. And then we've been up here for a little over seven now. Oh, okay. Yep. How do you like it so far? Love it. I kind of thought Travis told me that you were from here, but yeah. maybe I made that up. Yeah, now you made it up. Or okay. he made it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty possible. Yeah. <laughs> How come you moved here? Uh, my wife uh, had gone to school here. So she was originally from Arizona, but she went to Boise State. Okay. And when I met her down there, we just always talked about moving up here and raising our family. And <clears throat> we had talked about it for several years and were pretty passionate about, like, hey, we're doing it. And then we didn't. And as I said, we're, we're people that, one, we, we don't like to live with regret, 
uh, and two, we do what we say we're going to do. And so here we're telling our kids we're moving and we're not. And we're like, okay, we're that that's not us. Yeah. And so uh, I prayed that morning on the way to the gym. I'm like, hey, you got to give me a sign if we're supposed to move because we got a good job, family, friends, great church down in Arizona. And uh, that morning I'm walking into school with a woman um, that I've not, I mean, I've taught with her for 11 years. And we probably walked into school together five times. And she just goes, hey, Brandon, somebody told me to come talk to you. Uh, her husband was looking at taking a transfer to Boise. She was like, hey, they told us to come talk to you because you would know if we should take the move or not. I'm like, yes, you should. And we're moving too. She's like, what? <laughs> I was like, yep, we're moving as well. I was like, it was crazy. It was maybe 30 minutes after I made a prayer. And right there it happens. And then first hour, there's a kid sitting in my front row with the Boise State Broncos sweatshirt on. I'm like, Okay, I got it. I got it. We're moving. That's crazy. Yeah. How'd you end up in Arizona from Indiana? I chased a girl there. Oh. Yeah. So my last year in school, I dated a girl that got a job down there at Intel. And so I'd gone back and forth and visited. Uh, my older brother had moved to L.A. and I did not want to move to California. But I did not want to get a job in Indiana. Nothing against Indiana. I just knew if I got a job, chances of me moving or exploring kind of slim. Yeah. Uh, but I want to go experience things. And mm -hmm. so made the move, and it was an off. That girl and I broke up the day I signed my teaching contract, which is kind of normal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was awesome. It was a great move. I'd do it uh, every day. She like, didn't want those teacher paychecks. Exactly. I, I, <laughs> no idea, but it's all, it all works out, right? I, yeah. I met my wife, and it's been super amazing. That's great. Is Purdue in Indiana? It is, yeah. Okay. Kind of northwestern Indiana, about an hour and a half, two hours south of Chicago. Okay. Yeah. What was it like when you were – in high school and good enough to make a decision on where you wanted to play in college? Uh, you know, humbling. Felt pretty fortunate, you know, to have some opportunities to go and play. Uh, I was very fortunate because my older brother was at Purdue, and so I got to go play a year with him. And so to be playing college athletics with your oldest brother is it's pretty powerful. That's so, cool. Yeah, that's the brother. That's the brother dream right there. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. And then my younger brother was fortunate enough; he played football at IU, so we had a good Indiana Purdue rivalry. We still do, right? But cool. uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's very humbling. And baseball is a really good example of how there's levels yep. to sports. Like even you were probably top dog at your high school, and then you go to Purdue, and as a freshman, probably uh, not so much. I, I was never the top dog ever at Purdue. Really? Yeah, no, I, I did not get oh, to play. At Purdue, yeah, yeah, Purdue. I, I never that got to sense. play play very much, but it was awesome. Yeah. Did you have options? How did you settle on Purdue or pick? My Purdue? brother was there. Okay. Yeah. So I could have gone to some other smaller schools to play, and uh, but was fortunate enough to go play there with my older brother, which was super fun. You were a catcher, right? I was. Yeah. What did you like about catching? Uh, you got to know the whole game. Yeah. Right. You got to know where everybody's at and what's going on. And you have to be able to direct in a way that's firm, but yet in a way that's respectful as well. Yeah. That's a good point. I was a catcher too. I was, awesome. I was not good enough to play in college, <laughs> but I played actually one semester at Idaho state, but it was the COVID year. So we didn't get to play any games. Gotcha. That's yeah. a bummer. Sorry. But, that, that's, that's a whole different ball game. There. Yeah. But I'm playing uh, an adult league now, but you're Great. right. It is like catchers make the best managers, right? You have to be monitoring everything. And yeah. it's yeah. very, I don't know, it's probably the same for you, but it's very obvious when position players make mistakes. So I think that's kind of helped coaching. Yeah, but I think it's it's obvious for everybody when they make mistakes. Yeah, but right? I mean, like, like, I don't know, one of my biggest pet peeves as a catcher is if there's a runner on first and he takes second and he beats our middle infielder to the bag, 
that that really bothers me. But stuff like that, that maybe. yeah. But and then it just comes down to who it is, right? But but finding mistakes, that's that's easy. The key is you got to find them when they do it right. Yeah. Right, and that that's where catchers, leaders, parents, people miss is they just go and look for people doing it wrong because it's blaringly obviously they are mm-hmm. blaringly obvious. But um, but it, it, it's your ability to go and see somebody do it right. Yeah. And when you can find people doing it right, because they're doing it right all over the place. Just look for it. And when you recognize that, then it's like you also get permission to challenge them when they mess up. Oh, yeah. You kind of get like more respect. A- absolutely. More I mean, for it. If you only talk to me when I screw up, I'm not going to listen to you very long. I actually saw a cartoon about that, the, uh, I think yesterday, online of a pitcher and his, you know, little thought bubble set. The catcher is coming out for a little mound visit. He's like, how come you never come see me when I'm doing well? Right. Yeah. Yeah, people are way more likely to listen to you if you for constructive criticism if you point out when they're doing well to yeah. congratulate them. Absolutely. I mean, accountability is what we all need, but I've got to give you permission. Yeah. Right. And the way I will give you permission is if we're really clear on what the expectation is and if you catch me doing it right from time to time. And if you do that, then I will give you permission to criticize me. Yeah. What were the catchers like at Purdue that were maybe starting over you or oh, a couple of years older than you? They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're like my best friends. That's cool. Yeah. You still talk to him? Absolutely. So I'll be back. One of them is in Summit, New Jersey, and I'll be back visiting with him. I got some work back there here in a few weeks, and I'm staying a couple days just to hang out with him. And But now they're, they're awesome. Is that maybe where you got some of the ideas about leadership? Is it from them? I'm just trying to figure out maybe where the inspiration came from. No, it just came from coaching, right? It came from coaching, uh, well, playing sports and just being around and seeing seeing some things that were done right, but a lot of things that were done I did not agree with, you mm-hmm. know, as a player. Uh, then you get in and you, you start coaching. And when I started coaching, that's where it really started to take hold is because you start realizing the responsibility that you have. Right. And and you start seeing whether it's parents or kids get so stressed out about the performance. But you don't have full control over that. Yeah. Right. I could hammer a ball, but I hit it right at you. Mm-hmm. Stinks. Yeah, we I, had this thing in high school that our our varsity coach called quality at bats. Yeah. So it was hard hit ball, line drive, walk, hit by pitch, base hit, um, Nine pitch at bat resulting in a strikeout. Seven pitch at bat resulting in not a strikeout. Yeah. So we had all these ways that way your average was, quote unquote, average was better than two fifty or three hundred yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So when you look at that, right, like you start to realize the stress that everybody is putting themselves under, right. And then um, as I was coaching, right, and trying to figure out how to do this thing better, I'd read a book called Season of Life uh, by Jeffrey Marks, one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, and it was about actually a high school football program in Maryland. And their purpose for coaching was to make boys to become morally sound men. Like that was the purpose. Now, their way of doing that was football. And when you read this and you realize like that's that's the purpose behind coaching is to help people become better people. Yeah. And when I read that and really bought into it and ensured that I was living it, like not just having the intentions, but that I ensured that I lived it. Now, all of a sudden, we're building a baseball program that is really designed to make boys into morally sound men. And when I did that and my assistant coaches backed that up, we never had parent issues. 
parents weren't an issue. They weren't a problem. They were our allies because they knew our goal was just as the same as theirs, to make their boys become morally sound men. Um, now, it, <clears throat> when you did that, the season was awesome. If we were any good at coaching baseball talent, you don't have a shot. And we just happen to be really good. We had a lot of talent, and we have this talent trying to become amazing people, right? And so you start to see really what can transpire when that goes on. I mean, we won games, absolutely. But beyond that, I mean, we just produced awesome people. And then those awesome people went on, I think, in, I don't know, the my 11-year stint of being a head coach, I think it was around 70-some kids we sent on to play college baseball in 11 seasons. Wow. Uh, I think we had 22 draft picks. Uh, we've had four major leaguers come out of that group, right? And so you just start looking at that, that that was not our goal was to just produce that stuff. Our goal was to make morally sound men. And when you have these people showing up to be better people, you have people showing up to knowing that they're, they have the discipline to stick to a process, that they're trying to be a great person on and off the field, baseball is simple. Right now, now, now I'm going to play harder for you because I know the type of person you are and I know what you'll do for me. And so that's where that love for like development and sticking to a process really grew was when I got into coaching. And then you can see what it happens. Right. Then, then you build this thing that was just running itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, then I started doing it in school and, and that's the way I taught and creating like a leadership academy. And then when we moved to Boise, that's when I knew yeah, I, I want to do something in leadership because it doesn't matter if it's sports or business. If you have your business team, your management team, and they are truly focused on themselves becoming better people. They're going to hire better people. They're going to treat people better. They're going to make better decisions. They'll lead conflict better. They'll lead change better. And everything else grows from that, all because you're focusing on becoming the best you you can. How can you? What are some ways you can push that focus as a coach or as a boss, helping uh, employees or players become better people? You have to live it. You have to live it, and then you have to intentionally teach it. Right? Uh, people will say sports teaches character. No, it doesn't. Sports is about winning, and that's the goal: is to win. And unless you have a coach that has character and intentionally teaches that character, people won't get it, right? They're, they're going to come in and do whatever it is they take, whatever it takes to win, unless that coach is morally sound, lives it, and then intentionally teaches it. That rolls into a family, right? The only way my kids will be people of character is if I have it, my wife has it, and we intentionally teach that. Right? Like we don't talk to our kids about grades. We have never one time challenged our kids on any grade they've ever gotten. We don't even talk about the grades. We talk about their effort. Hey, did you do what you say you were going to do? Did you do it the right way? Did you do it the best you could? Hey, are you giving me an excuse? Because that's not going to lie. Like we have our core values and that's what we parent. Now you look at the byproduct of that. Our kids are amazing students. And they don't have the pressure. They're amazing in their sports because they know what we focus on. We don't focus on wins. We don't focus on scores. Uh, we don't we don't pay them if they score a goal or they hit a home run. Oh my god! Right? We 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 reward their effort. And if we see them not living by values, like that's what we hammer. Well, then that goes into the workforce as well, right? The only way my management team is going to learn to take ownership for their stuff is if I own my crap. And then I intentionally teach them and I show them how to take ownership for it, right? It's pretty crazy if you look in a team and say there's a conflict between you and I 
if I've screwed up and I come into you, uh, Quinn, and I'm like, hey, like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, that's on me. What are you normally going to say? It's totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. And a lot of times, if you've also screwed up, you're going to start owning that part of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, maybe I snapped and I lost it on you. Like, dude, it's cool, man. Like, I'm the one that screwed up. Like, I'm the one that's like, people will just automatically start owning their stuff because you showed them what it looks like. Yeah. Right? So, the way that translate over is people have to be, they have to live their values all the time. A lot of that, too. Well, we were talking about Jocko a little bit mm-hmm. before this podcast, but a lot of what he talks about, too, is setting aside your ego and swallowing the mistakes you've made and, yeah, own it and move on. That'd be, a lot absolutely. of it is, like, people come in and maybe they've got, like, a different idea of how to conquer a project than you do. And he always talks about, like, assuming that they're right and then trying to defend their point before you make criticisms. Yeah. And then if you show them that you're on your team – or on their team, and then you have maybe like an opposing idea. You can say, "Hey, have you thought about this?" And then you work at it together instead yep. of instead of opposing. Oh man, absolutely! They're, like to be honest, like I'm wrong. We're all wrong. Yeah, just some people are less wrong than others, right? So if I can come in and ask you your ideas first, I get access to your brain. Right. But if your coach came to you when you were playing or your boss comes to you and says, Hey, we're going to do this is the problem. This is what we're going to do. What are you going to say? Um, I'll say, okay, but okay. The, the whole time I'm probably thinking about like what I would have done or yeah. what's wrong with it. But you're going to do his thing because he said it. Yeah. But if he says, Hey, here's the issue. What do you think we can do to fix it? Now he gets access to your memory or your mind, right? Your, your experiences. Uh-huh. Um, just by asking the question. Uh, but Jocko's awesome, man. Uh, so good, but uh, it, it's the piece, right? Like, are, are you fighting to be right or to get it right? Yeah. And if it's to get it right, then who cares? Yeah. Who cares whose idea it is? But often, all we want to do is be right. And so we fight and we compete to win at what cost? That's kind of... Yeah, I guess people kind of in the corporate world maybe want the credit for it because they're worried about, like, moving up. Like, mm-hmm. they don't think that maybe they won't get that promotion if they don't get the credit for it. But, yeah, you kind of see it as a catcher, too, where the catchers that are good at managing games tend to win more than catchers. Maybe he's he's not a good defender, but he hits 300 and he has a good arm or whatever. Yeah. So there are catchers and people that get credit for stuff that they do well, but the maybe the people that are good at managing situations don't always get the credit. Uh, if they're good, they will. Yeah. Right? Like, you, you sit back and you think about it. Um, if I'm the coach, right, um, but yet you have a great idea and I let you go coach, go do your stuff. Yes, I love it. Go do it. Right? And we have success and we win. Who gets the win? Everybody. Everybody does. But who gets to put it underneath their name? The head coach. The head coach. Why? Because I let you go. That's his idea. I'm going to recognize that. I'm going to let you run, right? Um, when we lead or when we do anything in, as a parent or whatever, like my job is to make my people better, even if that means better than me. And if I make you better than me and I give you credit and I recognize you, where's your loyalty going to lie? To you. To me, 
right? It just it just is. That's a, and I don't do it for that. I don't do it to manipulate. I just do it because it's the right thing to do. Right. But if I recognize you and you grow and you become my boss, or and I just develop leaders all over the place and people are growing, the company's not getting rid of me. Like I'm mm. I'm invaluable to them, right? I'm priceless to them because all I do is produce like champions. And if that company ever wanted to get rid of me, all of you that have my back would be the first ones that would want to leave. Like, oh. nah, you're not, uh-uh, you're not letting that guy go. Yeah. But too many of us get so scared. We have this scarcity mindset where I can't share my ideas with you because if I share my ideas with you, then why do they need me? Now I'm not valuable. No, my, my job is to make you better and her better and him better and her better. And when I do that, then good things happen. Yeah. That's that works under good leadership, but I feel like there are companies out there where maybe someone's in, in your position where you're making people better, and then someone can do your job as good as you, and they're like, "Okay, we can pay this guy less to do the same job," and then you're gone. I can't control that. Yeah. Right. I can control me, and we move on with it. Right. Like the the right thing is always the right thing to do, and if the company doesn't recognize that, then I'm going to go work someplace where they do. Right. Yeah. Uh, now we have to understand too, right? Like you can still produce the other way, right? If I'm just all about production, I can produce. Mm-hmm. Like I can teach you, and we'll produce, and we'll win, and we'll sell at the cost of a very toxic environment. Yeah. Be very competitive, very cutthroat, and once again, you'll you'll win, but you won't raise the reputation of the company. And if you're winning and not raising your reputation, or sustaining the reputation, or increasing the reputation of the company. Uh, then you're not doing it the right way. Yeah, that's the the tactical versus strategic that mm-hmm. Jocko talks about too, where the tactical wins come in short term. So you might be selling short term, but long term and strategic, people are going to turn on you. Yep. Yeah. Was it? I saw. So I'm a big James Clear fan, uh, the author of Atomic Habits, and I saw him. Uh, he posted something the other day, and he says like uh, uh, something like. Early wins or quick wins will come quick or something like that, but like long-term wins require a lifestyle, right? Like mm-hmm. for you to be healthy requires a lifestyle. For you to build a relationship requires a lifestyle. For you to have finances requires a life. Like all of it requires a lifestyle if you want the long-term win. Yeah. How do you develop a lifestyle if you've got like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. I guess you're, your business, you kind of, you help businesses and athletes. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it turns out that you're, you turn into a good father too. Mm-hmm. So how do you build a lifestyle maybe that fits multiple roles? Does that make sense? Yeah. You got to know who you are. Yeah. That's, that's it. You got to know who you are. And, and what I mean by, and it's one of my favorite questions to ask people is to list like, what would be the first words or phrases you would use to describe who you are? Uh, a lot of people don't know. They can't answer that question. And if you don't know who you are, well, now your identity is about being liked. You just want people to like you. And if that's how you get your identity, you're setting yourself up to make a lot of very destructive decisions. Because now I'll tell you whatever you want to hear just so you like me. I'll go tell your roommates whatever they want to hear so they like me, even if it's gossiping about you. Friday night, I'm going to do what anybody else is doing so long as they like me, right? I'll be this person at work. I'll be this person at home. I'll be this person with my buddies. I'll be this person with my family, right? You're wearing all these different hats. Uh, And unfortunately, this has become more and more the norm, especially with social media. 
because what's the only button we want people to push when we post? A little heart. A little heart, right? I want you to like it. Thumbs up. And if they don't, what do you think? That they don't like it. They don't like it. And so now we do crazier things or dumber things, and we see what people will post in order to get likes. Yeah. Right? It's destructive. Uh, most people, when I ask them to define who they are, they go immediately to what they do. They're a teacher, they're mm -hmm. a coach, they're an athlete, they're a soldier, um, they're a CEO, they're a mom, a dad. And it's not that those things aren't important, right? But um, when what you do becomes who you are, uh, you're, you're at risk when that identity is over, you're at, or when that career is over, your identity has gone. Because you just think how many athletes you see that become train wrecks once they're done playing. Yeah. How many soldiers get out of the military and that identity stripped away from them and they're lost. Mm -hmm. You think about how many marriages end once they become empty nesters because mom and dad didn't know who they were. But when you know who you are, right, and it's down to your values, right, and we have our family values, um, you are that person all the time, right? So that that's what it comes down to, like, teaching people to be morally sound men, ethical women, whatever it is, right? Like, I've got to know my two or three values, and then that's what I live by all the time. And so one of ours is integrity. And integrity is great, but what is it? And so our kids know we've defined it, and we've made integrity a verb or an action. So it's to do the right thing regardless who's watching. Yeah. And so that is being a morally sound man or woman in our house. That's who I am. So then it doesn't matter if I'm with you, if I'm by myself, if I'm with my friends, if I'm at work, if I'm at church, if I'm at the gym, I'm going to do the right thing regardless who's watching. And if I do that, then it's a plug and play system, right? I don't care if you're at work. I don't care if you're at home, right? Because what people do is they'll go to work and they'll be that visionary, driven person, goal-oriented, focused, productive person, and they're crushing it. And then they go home and they get a beer, they sit on the couch, and they do nothing. Their family doesn't get to see that guy. Mm -hmm. He just sits on the couch. Yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> right? The work yeah. gets this amazing guy. And your people at home, your family that you care the most about, they, they don't get that guy. So if you crush it at work, you got to crush it at home. And vice versa. If you're like the big teddy bear, everyone loves you at home, then you got to be the same person at work. You can't be the a-hole at work. Like, that That doesn't work, right? So once we know who we are, that then, in essence, becomes the standard, right? Like, you are that person no matter what. Mm -hmm. Not only do people at home not get the guy that crushes it, though, they, they get the opposite. They get the total opposite. Yeah. They get, like, the worst version of you. Yeah. That's tough, though, to, to go to work and, like, give it your all and then come home and have to do the same thing. <laughs> That's a, Yeah. Not easy, but simple. Depends on what, what's important to you, right? Mm -hmm. So, and when you know who you are, like, I, I don't really care if you're tired. Yeah. My kids don't care if I'm tired. They want to know, am I there? Am I locked in? And if they really are that important to me, then I'll figure it out and I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. One of the phrases that I pulled from your website that I really liked was um, that you guys put a focus on making common sense, common practice. Yep. What are some things that you think should be common sense that maybe aren't? Because that's kind of what I pulled from that, right? Was yeah. that you think that there's something, some common sense pieces out there that are no longer common sense. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, what should people do to be healthy? Eat good, exercise, read. Okay. Do you do that? Um, ish. I don't read, but the other ones I'm okay at. But you know exactly what it is. Common sense. Yeah. You know what you should be doing. Do it. 
I mean, that's that that's that's what it is. Like like I said, it's common sense stuff. I, I know how I should talk to people. Mm-hmm. I know I should get sleep. I know I should exercise. I know I should hang out with my kids. I know I should talk to my wife. Do it. Where do you think that barrier comes from? Uh, because um, I know I can not work out today. Well, I, I know that if I work out today, I'm not noticeably stronger tomorrow. Yeah. I also know if I miss today, I'm not fat tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I miss it. I know if I go on a date with my wife, it's the best thing I can do. But I also know if I go on that date with my wife tonight, our relationship isn't substantially better tomorrow. If I miss that date with my wife tonight, we're not getting divorced tomorrow. So I miss it. Right? Like it's like I miss the most important things. Why? Because it's long term goals. It's not like that immediate gratification. So we skip it, we skip it, we skip it. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Right? Um the, the, you know, there's it's the aspect, right? That Rome wasn't built in a day. But it was built every day. Mm. And so every day I'm building my health. Every day I'm building my spiritual journey. Every day I'm building my relationship with my kids and my wife. I'm building my every single day. I'm not, I'm not taking a day off. Um, and when we have that focus and that consistency, things happen. Positive things. Because that consistency piece, right, it's the most, uh, it, it, it's the highest paid trait in the world. People that consistently go to the gym are paid with health. People that consistently save more than they spend are financially secure. People that consistently spend time with their wife, with their kids, they're blessed with a great relationship, right? People that consistently make the right number of phone calls every single day to the right number of people with the right type of message get paid. Mike Trout, highest paid dude in baseball. Why? He's the most consistent big time performer there is. Right. If I consistently eat like crap, I'm going to be fat. Right. So the consistency piece is is, is the, the, the money because we all know what we should do. Then we just got to do it regardless yeah. if you want to or not. That's another Jocko thing, too, where he said um, people ask him all the time how he gets up so early. And he's like, well, I, I set my alarm and then I get up when it goes off. Yep. And it's a very simplistic answer. But, yeah, just that consistency and the discipline. Yep. But, yeah, I guess people, yeah, people are way too addicted to um putting things off like you were saying yep how is were you pretty good at that as a player or like how how old were you when you were starting to realize that and put it into practice i've always been pretty good at it um i i specifically remember in high school knowing like the work i needed to do yeah like knowing that when i when i did work and others didn't i got better yeah and so just being able to see that like i had a leg up whether that was mental or physical or not, like in my mind, I thought I did physically. I, I probably did, but mentally I did. Regardless, I've got the edge, um, and so I was just willing to do the work, and I didn't need anybody else to hold me accountable. Uh, a lot of us do, and I'm not saying good or bad. Like whatever you've got to do to be held accountable, do it. Um, I tell a lot of people my goals because when I tell them, that holds me accountable. Yeah. Because I don't want to show up to you and be like, nah, I didn't do it. I'm going to start. Oh, no, now I feel like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm, I'm going to go do the work. That's crazy that you had that like in high school because I definitely did. I love baseball more than anything, but I definitely didn't have yeah. that. Do you think it came from your parents or it was just more natural? Well, I mean, you just see people work, right? I mean, my dad worked. Uh, my mom was always there for us, helping us regardless how tired or whatever she was. Uh, you get an older brother and you see him just putting in the work, right? It just 
you start seeing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just, it's something that, that's innate and in kind of all of us. And we just kind of do it. How much older than you is your brother? Um, oldest is three and a half years older. Okay. What did your mom do? Uh, she stayed at home, raised us. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. People uh, just can't afford it anymore. She, she was awesome, man. She was awesome. We were very fortunate to be able to have that done. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, nowadays it seems like everyone has to have both parents work. Yep. That's tough. I think my mom would have killed that. Shout out to my mom. Yeah. I think it would have been great. She's a teacher. I think that's where, oh, like, well, the, one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten was from my very first boss. I was maybe eight months into the job or something like that. And he told me that he can tell that I have a lot of pride in my work. I think that's from my parents a lot. Yep. It's awesome. So shout out to my parents. Yeah, they good did job. A, they did an okay good job. Good job, mom and dad. Yeah. Do you ever work? We can do, we can do a little Memorial Day theme. Do you ever work with uh, veterans that are maybe out of the military? I've worked with do? a few, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've worked with a few. What's some advice that you give them when they're looking for their next mission? Um, one is their identity is key. Helping them figure out who they really are, right? Because once again, they get locked into their identity is... Uh, I'm a SEAL or I'm a Marine or, well, no, that's what you did. Yeah. Right. So it's helping them do that. Uh, then the other thing that I look at, right, is, is if I were to just to tell you to go down and sit on LinkedIn and try to find a job, you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to look and be like, I mean, I don't know. I can't find it. I don't know what it is. And so what I, what I talk to people about is if you want an awesome career, right, you have to love what you do. Uh, you got to have the skill set for it. You got to make good money. And you need to be around like impressive, awesome people. Uh, and so it's like, all right, if you have all of those things and you have a great career. So now uh, how, how do you find that? And it, once again, it comes back to people, right? Let's answer these in reverse order. You hang around fascinating or awesome people. Awesome people talk about ideas, right? Ideas, that's, that's jobs, that's opportunities, Right. You can look at those those opportunities back. Like, oh, my gosh, I got the skill set for that. And like, yeah, you totally do. Right. And so now all of a sudden you're around awesome people. You've got an opportunity, which is money. You've got the skill set for it. Right. So you're good at it. You're going to love what you do. Um, and so instead of looking for a job, let's go hang around awesome people. And when people get out of the military, I guarantee they know impressive, awesome people. Go meet with them. Yeah. Because all I got to do is go have one coffee with a fascinating, awesome person. I leave that meeting inspired and I feel productive. Put me on a computer for an hour looking at LinkedIn or Indeed, I feel miserable. Right. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I have no idea. But if I go talk to good people, now ideas are rolling. They might not have a job, but they know people that do. Mm. Yeah. That's a tight brotherhood too that they get out with. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just there. I mean, it's it's outside of there, right? Like that brotherhood knows people right. at work. Yeah. And you just got to know, you just got to go hang out with cool people. And yeah. cool people know cool people. Do you have kind of a baseline set of questions that you ask people to help them figure those kinds of thing, things out? Uh, like fascinating people or careers? Uh, like when uh, you said people sometimes struggle with kind of figuring out who they are. Do you yeah. have kind of a baseline to help them figure it out? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I ask them. Right. Flat out, like what, what would be your core values? And I ask them, they, they've got to go talk to a couple other people uh, and ask them to describe who they are. Like, how would they describe them? Uh, I have them go seek out some mentors and looking at their mentors and what is it about that mentor that is attractive. So you're starting to pull out the characteristics of those people. Then we really begin to narrow it down to like two or three 
because you don't you can't have too many. But I need two or three that I know this is it. Two or three like, like characteristics. Yeah, characteristics like okay. values. Yeah. yeah. What are some good ones that you think make a good leader? Make a good leader, uh, initiative. Uh, people with initiative, um, they give energy to the relationship, right? People with initiative do the right thing without being told. It's like if I if I send you something, did you read it? Right? Mm-hmm. Hey, are you calling me? Are you reaching out to people? Are you just sitting and hiding? Right. So I look for initiative. Uh, I look for ownership. People that have the confidence to own it. Right. It's like I'm going to take ownership of all the screw ups, whatever's going on. I'm not going to give an excuse. I'm not going to do any of that. People that give excuses, I can't help you. Yeah. I can help your mistakes. But once you give an excuse, I can't help you any longer. Yeah. Uh, and the third one I look for is humility. Uh, and humility is not a lack of confidence. It's actually the total opposite. Yeah. Uh, people that are humble are extremely confident in who they are. They know they know. They also know they don't know it all, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I couldn't hire uh, a coach, a baseball coach that didn't know baseball. Had to have the confidence in baseball. Yeah. If they acted like they knew it all, it doesn't work, right? At the same time, though, if I hire someone that doesn't have the confidence to make a decision, is always wanting that that reassurance, they'll drive me nuts. But you give me somebody with initiative who takes ownership and that's humble – we will dominate. Yeah. Do you have, do you still do the, the baseball program where you're hiring coaches? No. Well, I mean, I, I coach 11 U uh, little league team yeah. here. Uh, and so no, but yes, uh, we've got, including myself, there's five of us and these men are just outstanding men. They all have initiative. They all own their crap. They are all humble. And because you put five people together that are like that, we just get stuff done. You're blessed with that many coaches. That's a lot, awesome. of, a lot of coaches struggle to find one or two to help them out. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to go find them. And we just fortunate mm-hmm. enough that, that we've got some good ones that are all have boys the same age. And so we're, we're, we're building something pretty special. That's cool. Did my little brother umpire for you? He's the big, tall, curly hair. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. How'd he do? Uh, he did good, man. Yeah. All, all the boys did really well. I, yeah. I was impressed actually. That's cool. They've gotten a hard time, though. That's that's one of the biggest problems in youth sports right now, right, is the umpires just get such a hard time. Yeah. There, there's a lot of a lot of problems there, but, yeah, so they, they definitely get ripped every once in a while. Yeah, and he always wears – I think my dad was telling him the other day, Evan always wears, like, the professional-looking umpire shirts, and then all the other guys wear, like, Timberline shirts. And dad's like, yeah, no one's yelling at the guys in Timberline shirts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you got to – Put one of those bad Put them boys on, on. and it'll, it'll quiet people. Yeah. Timberline baseball gets a lot of respect here. They do. Yeah. Do you have any interest in coaching at a higher level? Uh, not for a while. Um, when I started coaching, I asked mentors back to, you know, seeking wisdom from people. I asked a couple mentor coaches uh, that had been coaching for like 30 plus years. And I just asked them if they had it to do over again, what would they do different? And both of them told me they would have stopped coaching when their kids were young. Uh, because they coached everybody else's kids and they missed oh. theirs grow up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So as soon as my kid, my oldest, once she got to a point and I missed one of her things, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Hmm. Uh, we hung them up and uh, I won't coach until my kids are kids are done and out. And at that point, we can re-examine it then. But, yeah, no, I'm having too much fun watching my kids do, do life. Yeah. You don't think you'll follow your son up? Uh, no, I mean, we'll we'll coach him as long as, as long as we can, uh, that it keeps a great relationship. 
right? Like mine and his relationship is more, and we got a really good thing going. It's awesome. Uh, I will do that as long as I can. Uh, and if it ever gets to a point where it, it starts to put strain on our relationship, I'll start stopping a heartbeat. Yeah. How did you, how did you meet Travis just from coaching miles? Yeah. Just, and then Travis miles. just, just got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Travis is a pretty cool dude. He's awesome. He's a good, good man. Yeah. Was the first interaction with him like him coming up to talk to you about Miles or were you guys? Oh, no. Miles was just on our team. Travis didn't really say anything. Uh, he was just there. And then, like I said, I, I saw his son throw one ball and I'm like, hmm, that's different. Uh, and then I was taking my son to go hit. I'm like, hey, let Miles, if you're good with it, let Miles come with me. And I'll just take him and he'll work with my son and and uh, and uh, I'll get him ready. So and That's Travis cool. Travis had enough confidence in me, at least trusted me enough. Like, sure, some guy's gonna take my kid for free to go work with him for an hour. Uh, he'll do it, and it's just turned into a really good relationship. That's cool. That's a hardworking family. Yeah, they're great people, man. Yeah, that's cool. Shout out to Travis. If if the listeners have not listened to the podcast I did with Travis, that one was a good one. And um, trying to get him back in because, honestly, I did kind of a bad – I wanted to talk to him more about his real estate gig, and I did not do a great job of that, so I'm trying to get him back in. Okay. Um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh no, I, I don't think so. Um, if you're, you know, if you are passionate about leadership and things that are going on, uh, we are hosting our second leadership summit uh, here in Boise, Idaho, in September. Uh, it's called the Standard Leadership Summit. Uh, the the main emphasis is no regrets. Like that's kind of our our life motto. And the people that I have coming in to speak are are outstanding. So if you're in the Boise area or not, and just passionate about getting better, uh, the the room will be outstanding. And, and we limit the number of people that are coming in because we want it to be a cool community and uh, people really get something out of it. Where can people get tickets or admission? If you just go to infinitestrengths.com, uh, there's the leadership conference that's on there. Everything is there for you to be able to, to get tickets and register and get more insight on the speakers. But once you get there, you'll see the quality of people coming in and it, it's something special. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot for hey, your time. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. That was Appreciate a good time. it. Yep. All right. Brandon had to run, but. Um, Definitely appreciate him giving me an hour. I know he's a busy guy. This was uh, more of a tough one to schedule because we both got a lot going on, but that was a good time. Um, if you guys have any other questions, feel free to message me on Instagram. It's just QW underscore podcast. And I uh, wanted to say that I've been drinking this delicious monkey cold coffee throughout the podcast. It's truly fantastic. I mean, yeah, I would definitely recommend this, even if it wasn't a sponsor, but it is our first sponsor. So shout out to Matt, and thank you for putting some faith in me. And it's truly a great coffee. I definitely like the bourbon chocolate chip flavor more than the coconut rum one, but both very good. And um, Matt's an awesome guy to support. They give part of their sales to the pediatric cancer foundation. So if you feel like supporting the podcast and my boy, Matt over at monkey cold coffee and the uh, pediatric cancer foundation, head over there and enter code QW pod QW as the promo code. You get 10% off. Thanks everyone for listening.